Hey, I'm Maria. I work at a labor union by day and write and watch too much TV by night. I like to say I've been firmly in the CW's clutches since it was the WB. As the great Seth Cohen on the OC once said about the fictional teen drama, The Valley, TV teen dramas are mind-numbing escapism. They exist in a fantasy world where 20-something hot actors are usually cosplaying high schoolers in melodramatic depictions of adolescents. But that's honestly why I love teen dramas so much. I love the tropes and the shifts and the not-at-all-subtle product placement. I love the early aughts theme songs and the cameo performances by pop-punk bands. I love the newer generation of shows that are more diverse and representative of the vastness of teenage girldom. And I especially love the moments when TV teen dramas get political. You guys, we can organize, stand together, speak with one voice. Karl Marx has come alive for me today. Now it just seems so obviously wrong that those who control capital should make their fortunes off the labor of the working class. Well, since you've fired us, you've given us plenty of time to kick in. Workers of the world unite for all the Welcome to episode two of season one of Love This Teen Drama. Today we're going to be talking about Brooke Davis and the episode where she's just like a labor organizer on One Tree Hill that I feel like no one but me ever talks about. <laughs> and it's like my favorite thing that ever happened on this show, One Tree Hill, which is totally a guilty pleasure of mine and plenty of other people who enjoy the teen drama genre. And it also totally is what got me to think of this idea in the first place. So it's a fun episode. I had there to do it go. towards the top of the season because I was just like it's too iconic not to and then I had to have Nikki and Emma on because like y'all are two of my best friends who I met because <laughs> of worker organizing so I thought it oh, was yeah. the perfect fit this is kind of has become the tradition now of this podcast is just like starting by talking about our relationship to each other on the topic so yeah the, like uh, me and Emma kind of became friends when she organized me <laughs> yeah. I had ulterior motives becoming your friend <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like we met in, in a Boloco, which for those of you who have never been to Boston is a, a New England burrito chain, I guess. Yes. Burrito shop chain. But, but you're missing the step in which I actually was working the front desk at Little Building, and that's how I started like getting to know you. Like I would like. You were doing it so make seamlessly. I didn't even yeah, realize I, I it was, was happening. Yeah, <laughs> I was getting FaceTime with you there, and that's how I set up, like, hey, like I know that you're like interested in this stuff. Like, let's meet. Um, but like I knew you through that before i even invited you and ha that job is a kind of a classic job for an organizer right like being able to like just <laughs> see all the student body anyway yeah were you you were in, were you in lb or yeah yeah, yeah i was people LB. waited for the elevators in this building yeah, for those no of you i mean who didn't go to in. <laughs> yeah <laughs> the perfect time to catch people and just be like hey <laughs> mm -hmm. and like recognize names and faces and like you know maybe you know you're like what are they up to what is their potential yeah and so she was like hey want to come to this meeting and i was like okay and um <laughs> that's where i found out that there were workers organizing in secret on campus and i you know, i feel like it's just kind of like never looked back from there like i was just like in the campaign and then now i'm a union communicator so <laughs> You just blinked and it happened. Yeah. Um, and Nikki is a co-founder, along with Emma, of the group's meeting that I attended. We were Emerson Pride. And so, yeah. And then there was, there was a point, I feel like, where our numbers were really depleted because people were, like, studying abroad and stuff. That It was, like, me and Nikki and our friend James just, like, holding it down for, like, a semester there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like we got, like, extra close at that point because it was just, like, our little squad trying to make a little difference on campus. Along as everyone went off on their European adventures, yes. <laughs> so yeah, um, to, I guess uh, together we we were all in solidarity with our dining hall workers when they and they won their union. So oh, yeah. and they won a first contract, and now and all of us have worked, even though Emma doesn't work 
at a union now. We've all worked at unions. Yes. Yeah, do you guys want to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Nikki. As Maria said, I know her from Emerson College and the organizing we did together. I uh, now work for a union um, representing hotel and food service workers in Rhode Island and uh, Boston. So excited to talk uh, teens and and unions. <laughs> teens and unions. You guys teach I'm Emma. Oh, sorry. So you're good. <laughs> yes, but yes, gotta teach him young. <laughs> I'm Emma, and yeah, I I actually met Nikki during Occupy Boston, and then that's how you know fill in the blanks there. The story of starting the the labor group um, campus at Emerson and meeting Nikki and then Maria and then actually right after college I was organizing adjunct professors at a university to uh, join a union and from there went into uh, labor communications with healthcare workers so it it was you know always kind of my dream to do that and then like being able to kind of like get that being able to uh, you know work for something that was just like so important to me, but with like the skills I learned in college of uh, communications was just, um, I think really gratifying, but also just gave a very unique perspective. And also I need to mention that I never watched One Tree Hill. Oh yeah, you don't really have, the thing that's wonderful about the spotlight <laughs> is you do not, it's so standalone that you do not have to even really have uh, No, I just wanna, I just yeah. wanna uh, um, add that caveat. Yep, no problem. <laughs> No judging. I, but I'm like familiar, like because I like live in the world, but like obvious, but like of like you know the concept and Chad Michael Murray and all that. But um, so this is a perfect transition into what I wanted to talk about next. So like One Tree Hill is such like I feel like the reason that everyone's sort of familiar with it is because it was like one of those. It started on the WB and it ended on the mm-hmm. CW. You know, like it mm-hmm. was like on for nine seasons. <laughs> like it had Chad Michael Murray, who you know was obviously like the it boy of the time and like Sophia Bush it's iconic on it and that's who we're talking about today iconic yeah and it's just like kind of like the quintessential teen drama that was on for a while I feel like and for like a good amount of our like childhoods like the mid 2000s because I think it was on from 2003 to 2012 maybe something like that Um, I mean really that is like emblematic of our of like the millennials (laughs) yes uh, I guess our section of the millennials adolescence Yeah, we're on like the younger end of millennials, which we is are, like, right. weird. We yeah, are. yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, so that's like the younger millennials. Uh, I mean, the fact even it's uh, WB becoming CW in and of itself is like so wild. We, we lived through that. Yeah, and so for me personally, like I watched. I think there were a couple of years, or maybe like you know, TV seasons, whatever, where because I was watching other things in the WB, I ended up watching One Tree Hill, like, like but not like mm-hmm. too. I never religiously watched it growing up, but I definitely had watched it. Then senior year of college was the next time I watched it. So by the time I watched it again, I was already like, like, you know, organizing on campus, thinking about working on the labor and the labor movement after college. And me and my uh, roommate at the time, Haley, like she was like doing a rewatch one day when neither of us had class. Like I had class canceled. She didn't have class that day. And so I sat down and watched it with her. Totally like got addicted. I was like, okay, this is my like, you know, senior year binge show now. And then I got to this episode in season two and I like screamed in my room. Like I was just like, what is this? This is amazing. Like, oh, <laughs> and so I feel like- good timing. Yeah. So I feel like ever since then, first of all, I've watched One Tree Hill like all the way through a couple times now, for sure. It's it's an experience. It's a ride. Um, <laughs> but How many seasons you said there's like nine? There are nine. So if you're like ever like, I just need some like teen drama trash. Okay. I need it to be long. I need it to be something that's just going to be there for me. One Tree Hill definitely has that for you. <laughs> okay (laughs) and brooke davis has kind of like always been one of my favorite characters so the fact that it was also like her plot line just made it even better but i guess before we went any further i did want to like disclaimer slash mention because i don't want to do an episode about one tree hill without mentioning this that the showrunner of one tree hill mark schwan was like 
Me Too'd back in 2017 oh. by not just Hillary Burton, but she started it and she's who played Peyton. And Sophia Bush oh. also had allegations. Pretty much like all the women like came like after the first woman spoke out, all the rest of them were like, we stand with you. Wow. He apparently pitted the women against each other frequently Classic. and also like harassed all of them. You know, um, there's, there was definitely um, mentions of him harassing both Sophia Bush and Hillary Burton and I think other women too. So... That sucks, obviously. Um, and I feel like that was a whole thing when that happened where people were like, but I do remember Sophia Bush putting something out kind of like it was so difficult because like we all love the characters we played, but like that was so like it's hard, but it's not like they're like calling for people to boycott the show or anything, you know, but right. um, I just figured that it would be weird to do an episode about it without at least like mentioning it. That's like a thing and fuck that dude. And um I feel like the strong women giving performances on the show did it despite him. And so it's like, we should acknowledge that, which sucks, but yeah. And so yeah, I guess bringing us into this episode for like somewhat context. So Brooke Davis, when you first meet her in season one, is kind of like the mean girl. And like, you know, she stirs up trouble for like no reason a couple times, you know, like, and then season two starts her like growth into like a strong badass woman. What I love about it is that this episode ends up being a catalyst for her deciding to run for like student council president the next episode. And then she wins and then she decides to start her own clothing company. And it's like this whole trajectory toward her like being like a better version of herself and such and like her whole girl power moment like starts here so even though obviously as i would love this did not launch her career as a labor organizer or anything like i still feel like i am making the argument in this podcast that this was like the foundation you know the foundation a foundational experience for her um yes. oh and something else i wanted to mention before we start is that i really don't like Brooke's boyfriend at the time during this he's like an asshole and she later dumps him in a really good way because he she finds out he's homophobic because he's being homophobic to his bisexual sister like what is wrong with you and she like slaps him and like dumps him so love it yeah I mean, so that's, great karma. that's the context of felix however he does make some good points in this plot line i sent you guys that meme where it's like heartbreaking worst person you know just made a good point that's gonna oh, happen yeah. a few times with that dude during this plot line so i just want to say I appreciate that context yeah <laughs> i just want all of you to know at home too if you're a one tree hill fan and you hate felix like me too but like he makes some points in this so let's just like look at <laughs> felix as just the felix of this episode and we hate him but he's gonna help us he's gonna help this particular group of workers a little bit because he helps push brooke in the right direction so basically i also thought also as we get into it that as we're gonna run through this plot line and obviously we're just gonna only watch the parts of the episode that are this plot line um we're also gonna hopefully teach our listeners a little bit about unions because you know you also have the power to organize your workplace and like you actually like definitely should um and like at the end i want to definitely like make sure to dedicate a portion where we talk about like you want to organize your workplace what do you do next you know so we'll get there love it yeah oh my god this is gonna fade from chad michael murray into a crap into like a say, lobster this is like quite a uh <laughs> pause <laughs> that's funny that's very funny you seem like a decent kid but most of the applicants at carl's crab shack have um have some work experience huh okay fair enough but i make up for my lack of experience in other ways i'm really good with people i mean my friends really like me and i know my crustaceans lobsters crabs shrimp they're all very tasty okay now um, i have uh, your look, number mr crab shack carl <laughs> i need this job my car insurance is due i'm on my own and i cannot lose my mode of transportation okay i'm gonna give you a chance you can start today okay but i don't have any waitress slots open right now this is more of a um a pr job pr oh pr is perfect for me cut to brooke in a giant crab costume outside of carl crab shack come get the crabs at carl's crab shack oh no crab cakes crab steaks and creamy crab shakes <laughs> okay the crab shake come line get the gets crabs me every at carl's time crab shack. disgusting okay where is country hill supposed to take place again north carolina okay well first of all like brooke used to be like a rich girl i think i forgot to mention that and now she's like her family lost their money you know classic 
rich girl falls from grace so now she needs to get a job like i'm pretty sure in the episode before this um the character Haley said something like like she was kind of like where do i get money and Haley was like try a job like you know like mm -hmm. so this is like I, I think important to mention before we go any farther that this is Brooke's like first time like working, you know? So she's really yep. learning some things about how awful bosses are. Like, I think that he's such, like, first of all, this is a teenage girl. I know that it looks like, as I always say, it's a 20 something cosplaying as a high schooler. This is the genre. But theoretically, this is a teenage girl. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, how old specifically is she supposed to be? It's like season two. So there's. I think junior, Sophomore? like a junior, like a junior. Junior, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because the first four seasons, they're still in high school, and I don't know. I'm pretty sure. But either way, the teenage girl, it's like, you know, and you're like, first of all, berating her for not having a resume. And second of all, you are dangling in, like, I don't know. I just think it's important information that he like, he like gets the information of why she needs the job. And so now he has that information to exploit. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay, but also who says that directly in an interview <laughs> it's very honest to be like i need this job really bad i like need this money and like <laughs> they don't respond well to that usually which is fucked in and of itself <laughs> yeah yeah so this is when this is when things really start to heat up when she meets her uh her co-workers her fellow crabs if you will okay all right chad Stupid little kids. One of them poured a soda down my hole and I'm all sticky. Honey, that's nothing. One time a gang of eight-year-olds pushed me into the fountain. I wanted to watch the lobster swim. I'm Marla. I'm Brooke, and you are so not a lobster. So how long have you been doing this? Um, six weeks. I used to be a giant beaver down at the lumber yard, so at least I'm moving up. It's a sucky job, but I really need the money, so tell me about it. 15? That's it? The six most humiliating hours of my life, and I made $15? I deducted the usual fee for costume rental and dry cleaning. Ooh. That is a total racket. We bust our butts out there all day. I have a blister from this thing, okay? We should be getting hazard pay. Any of you other crabs feel this way? <laughs> well, then, if you don't like it, I guess it's uh, goodbye car insurance. Hello, city bus. I mean, like, keep openly mocking her for her poverty. <laughs> also, just like, don't right. get this. Why does he have so many crabs? Oh, oh yeah. You, you see, now the problem is that in order for the crab solidarity to make sense, like the fact that there are this many crabs has to be ignored because it doesn't make sense. The fact that they have so many crabs working for this. They must be a very pop profitable tourist spot. <laughs> Maybe, and they like put them all around town. Yeah. Get a lot of attention, yeah. Yeah, what are you, what is your, uh, I guess your, like, reaction to that? I mean, clearly you can see that it, it, it's not working when it's just her trying to stand up for herself and no one's speaking up with her, and that's a, a classic, you know, thing we talk about in union organizing. You, you can't, uh, when it's, you know, you think of that picture of the fish, the school fish, and when they all come together, they can defeat the shark, but individually yeah. the, the fish will get eaten by the shark and that's what happened there exactly right and yeah and on he was able to very quickly use threats to intimidate the rest of the workers into silence oh my god yeah 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 but in a way he's a good bad boss so i feel like a lot of people will be agitated about their workplace it's very true so true <laughs> He, like, takes pleasure in, like, mocking them. Like, you're already making them wear, like, humiliating costumes, and now you're, like, taking away their their money for your costume right. fee and mocking them for, like, needing to be exploited by you. <laughs> like, you it's suck, dude. On many levels. Um, But, yeah, so a couple other points that I wanted to bring up is that I think it's really cool that this plotline is about, like, all women in like a really low wage mm. job because it's actually like a pretty accurate depiction of like who ends up doing low wage work. Unfortunately, this is a very white show, so it doesn't show the fact that right. most low wage women are women of color. But in reality, I feel like it is the like women of color and working class women in general who are leading labor struggles. 
so this is really a accurate depiction in my opinion mm-hmm. um but another <laughs> anyway. thing i totally thought of here is you know we're just we're just talking about this is like the quintessential millennial show like hmm. this is the first time that brooke has to work and she's immediately like fuck this like i'm supposed to just be treated like absolute garbage for a living like that's what you expect me to do and i'm like that's like the most millennial reaction to like oh. the workplace yeah. and millennials love unions and so i brought up some some of those fun little staderitos that us labor communicators like to like to put out on the twitters and stuff and apparently as of like 2017 so i would say it's probably even better now 75 percent of like the adults who would have been considered millennials at the time uh had a favorable opinion of unions and it's like that's really good yeah and that's reflected here man because like she's a teenager and she has already like fuck this you can't treat me like this and then Mm -hmm. the final thought i had about that scene is that she used the word hazard pay like how many years before i was gonna say how many years before it became like a popular term because of the pandemic (laughs) i was literally like that like rang a bell in my head i was like hazard pay buzzword (laughs) which like for good reason like i mean right 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 and workers should get hazard pay for the various discomforts and such that they have to endure for their jobs. And yeah, standing outside in the hot sun while children apparently throw you into fountains. You <laughs> are wearing a sign that says we have crabs or like I have crabs. <laughs> like literally. Not exactly the wording, yeah. <laughs> no, it like literally is the wording. Like I have that like I swear, wasn't it? It says I have crabs. Does it really? That I'm like almost okay, positive. No, no, it's either I or we. It's um, either I or we. I got crabs or I got crabs. Is that it? Maybe I've got crabs. All right. Well, I'm going mean, to go find hilarious. it because we need to know. If they, if they did that bit, that's pretty cute. That's pretty funny. They could have. Okay. Oh, I'm they, almost they, there. I'm almost no, there. No, they did. Okay. Yeah, let's see. Yep. I got crabs at Carl's. Yep. I got crabs at Carl's. That's so ridiculous. I got crabs. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. Uh, well, yeah. there you go. <laughs> How'd you like a crab leg up your ass? Nice claws. Oh, this is Felix. I thought you said you had a crappy new job. Why are you here? To make fun of me? No, I came to have lunch. Give my waitress girlfriend a big tip. Well, surprise, I'm not a waitress, I'm a crab. <laughs> Trust me, that's no surprise. I applied everywhere, okay? This was the only job I could get. At least I look good and red. So true. Oh, Let's Felix, go. come on. Let's Felix, come on. Oh no, God. don't come take on. me. Come on. No, enough. Enough, enough okay? Felix is taking enough. a singular hey, b- snap toy grab at that. photo. And no flirting with the sailor. Ew, that is such a boomer okay. man thing to say. <laughs> hey, Carl. <laughs> I'm just curious. I've been at this for three hours. So when do I get a break? State law says I don't have to give you a break. He says that with glee. A shark stops swimming, it'll drown. But I'm a crab. Whatever. It's all fish. I hate that guy. I don't know why any of the rest of the crabs put up with him. They probably need money like you. Otherwise, you could all band together and pin him to death. Again, he made a good point. Worst person I know made a good point. Yes. Like, you know? Uh, he, he's the one who mentions banding together. Yes. 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 And he is correct like (laughs) like he literally just explained like capitalism he's like they probably need money like you so they need to be exploited but you know i guess if you guys came together and used your collective power (laughs) then perhaps i know that one was pretty cut and dry i feel like i mean the yes the 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 guy we don't want to be right was right yep but uh, the most important thing is that it created a spark, clearly, like, of an idea in Brooke's mind. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Indeed. To do the real work. Okay. So this scene is, like, probably, honestly, this is probably the scene where I was like, oh, my God. Because, like, this is the <laughs> one scene where they actually use the word union. Nice. Let's go. Yes. Okay. <laughs> We're in the locker room. The costume is so sweaty. <laughs> I got a rash all over my... Well, anyways, I got a rash. <laughs> I got carpal tunnel from snapping my pincers all day long. Okay. You guys, we can stand around the break room and complain and be crabby, or we can figure out a way to protect ourselves from that guy. But if we want to change things, we have to do it together. Yeah. <laughs> so you want to form, like, a crab union? I'm thinking more along the lines of a crab sorority. <laughs> we make a list of our demands, and we take <laughs> them to management. 
Okay. okay. It's not a bad idea. Sorry, girl. I've got a two-year-old at home. I really need this job. Like not a union. Besides, I've seen Carl fire people who make trouble. Okay. But what if I can find a way to guarantee that none of us get fired? Are you all on board? Yeah. Yeah. You guys? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's that scene. <laughs> what do you guys the think? Fact, I mean, the <laughs> fact that she said, no, not a union. Crab sorority. I know, but, but like, it's like she's she's literally defining a union. Yeah, it's like call it whatever you want, girl, but uh, it's a union. Um, actually, I thought this would be a really good time to educate on what protected activity is, because I feel like that's kind no. of like where we are here. So I have my secrets of a successful organizer, the labor notes book. Nice. But, yeah, I'm gonna put a bunch of stuff in the show notes also. So, but they have like a really like precise definition, and I'm like, this is helpful. Okay. So the NLRA, which is the National Labor Relations Act, um, protects your right to engage in concerted activities for the purpose of collective bargaining or other mutual aid or protection. So in other words, you are protected if you want to take action with at least one other person to improve conditions at work. I say that because you can't do this shit alone, guys. If, if we, we saw what happened to Brooke, saw what happened, you got eaten out. Yep. So um, it's not protected unless you do it with another, with another worker because then you guys are like doing something together. And that's like being in a union or a crab sorority, whatever the fuck you want to call it. <laughs> 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 um, but so then the other thing I wanted to read from, uh, from Secrets of a Successful Organizer is so protected concerted activities for your actual like, like life. So that includes like filing grievances, complaining about contract violations, holding rank and file meetings, visiting the boss in a group on non-work time, um, petitioning, wearing buttons, and other ways of pressuring the boss. And you have these rights whether or not you have a union in your workplace. So what they're doing right now is totally protected activity. Does she know that? I don't know if she knows that, but I want my listeners yeah, to know. Because she's, <laughs> she's speaking about it like, I can guarantee we don't get, you know what I mean? Like, she's speaking about it like she knows it's protected or something. Um. <laughs> she's talking about it like, she's like, yeah, I read the NLRA last night before right. I went to bed. <laughs> maybe, and maybe she's onto something with rebranding unions as crab sororities. Maybe, maybe she's onto something. Maybe that's, that's the issue. I mean, if it'll work for a specific group of workers, like, do what you gotta do. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's why, I mean, some unions are called, like, what, like, you know, federation. Like, you know, there's, even though it is a union, you know, there's precedent. Yeah, and a lot of the old craft unions are guilds, technically, so that's true. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I thought the other thing that we should talk about here is how the NLRA actually kind of sucks. And right now, the entire labor movement is trying to get this piece of legislation called the Protecting the Right to Organize or the PRO Act passed. And this whole thing of like, oh, we have to make sure we don't get fired. Like this boss is known for retaliating against people who make trouble. Like if we got the PRO Act, there would actually be teeth and like actual like basically the problem right now of labor law to put it in very like simple terms is there's no teeth to it so breaking it doesn't if you have a corporation of enough money like it could literally be like cheaper in your mind to union bust than to pay union right. wages over a certain amount of time at yeah. least that's the calculation that most corporations have decided to make and that's because mm -hmm. they can because <laughs> the law lets them and so the protecting the right to organize act would i'm going to put again info in the show notes about it if you and, and honestly i would love if some movement had been made by the time this podcast goes live this summer because we're recording this in may but um i don't know if <laughs> um, <laughs> you predict the future yeah right um but it includes uh, Oh, it requires the NLRB to immediately seek an injunction to reinstate workers who suffer retaliation for exercising their rights. So, theoretically, if they were all to get fired and the PRO Act had been passed, then, like, you know, they could get reinstated. Um, so, and we kind of ended up working on that. Like, we kind of, we got a worker reinstated during our time at Emerson, remember, Nikki? <laughs> we got Donna reinstated. Oh, yeah. It took a lot of a lot of work, but uh, made it happen. Yeah. Very special moment too. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And we did that through direct action. You know, mostly, right? Like, and a lot of delegations. Yep. Yeah. Lots of delegations to the boss. And oh my god, I feel like I spent so much time like yelling at that manager. <laughs> <laughs> time well spent. Yep. Time well spent. But yeah, it goes to show that like you like yes, and like that's the thing like. The fact that we, that was able to happen without like the kind of protections the pro act would give is like is like a miracle. Like anything that actually happens, I feel like 
like in labor organizing in this country with our current labor laws is like just i mean not that it wouldn't be it's obviously i want it to pass and it would be great if we had more but it does it's like insane that we get anything done like you know like it's like beautiful right. and like always just like wow like you have to overcome so much to get right. anything done in the structure and that's why allies like students that are not the workers themselves are important yeah yeah and, and and you know that can be applied to lots of different um organizing struggles yes exactly bringing the community with you whoever that community mm -hmm. is in the exactly maybe the commu community in this case is felix <laughs> yeah he's the only <laughs> other character like on the spotlight with her which is like not the one i would have chosen but what are you gonna do this is who she's fucking right now <laughs> there you go i just felt like she's like she's a natural organizer man that was like a great little like organizing oh, conversation yeah. she hit it right on the nose we gotta do it together like we met them where they were at it was was great we get chad michael murray oh yeah just a little chad for you no i do not have time right now and just because we're dating does not mean you get a sexual season pass <laughs> That was a great phrase. Most the other crabs, I'd figure out a way to make things better at work, so I'm gonna look up dirt on this Carl guy. That, or you could go after him legally. How do you mean? Try looking on a state employment website. A guy like that's bound to be breaking some type of small business law. Hmm. I'll get some coffee Again, and work on that. making good points. It's annoying. You're gonna help me. Of course, bro. You have to just swoop in. in. Hmm. Thanks. Besides, I have to. You're forever gonna have sex again. <laughs> he doing good at union organizing because he wants to get in her pants. Very, yeah. I mean, not the order of events I would have liked, but whatever does it, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, one of the notes I have written here is just, this girl is the organizing and research department all in one. <laughs> yeah. And that's she one of the things that I love about this is that, like, she actually runs, like, a comprehensive union campaign. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like these steps are logical. She's following them, you know, because yeah. it makes sense to her. Yep, exactly. And so in her mind, she's like, I have to have, you know, I have to have a piece of, like, re research that's so damning that, like, you know, it can be a gotcha moment. It's like, they, mm -hmm. it's, so it's just, like, so well done. And, like, I mean, I guess it shouldn't be that surprising because, like, most writers' rooms are filled with union members. <laughs> but That's so true. But, like... It really is the kind of thing that people do in, like, union negotiations, you know? You're, like, the researchers are doing their doing their digging to see if they can find something mm -hmm. to, like, throw on the table, like, or throw in the press mm -hmm. to, you know, reflect what's going yep. on at the table. And so, yeah, I, also, I thought it was just also, like, a really important time to just draw on the fact that, like, there's so many different moving parts to a union campaign, like, especially one where it's any level of, like, PR is going to be involved because, you know, me and me and uh, Nikki work in the communications department of our respective unions. So we're the communicators. We got we work with researchers. We work with organizers. We work with lawyers um, because lawyer labor, oh, yeah, labor law is confusing <laughs> as fuck. So we need labor lawyers to explain it to us. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this so, is cool. They're, they're they're building their they're building their victory path. It's it's exciting. <laughs> exactly. So uh, we're already on the last scene where they march on the bus. Are you guys you guys ready? Wow, I'm so ready. <laughs> crabs, the crab. What do you mean they crawl on? The, what do oh, crabs yeah. do? They what crawl. If, yeah, they pinch the bus. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go, and I'm sure we'll have lots to say about this one. What are you standing around here for? Get back to work! Oh, we will. As soon as you agree to our list of demands. Yeah, Demands? What is this? I've been doing some research. It turns out that uniform maintenance cannot be deducted from our hourly wages. And these crab suits are not flame retardant, which is a violation of OSHA. Boom. OSHA? Trust me. And there is plenty <laughs> more where that came from. We are not singing our crabby songs until you comply. Wildcat oh, strike. You win. Turn in your crabby suits. You're all fired. That's definitely I can snap illegal. my fingers and get crabs whenever I want to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Girls, here you go. That's yes, I already have some signs. I clearly had a That's great time you. making party. And what the hell is this? <laughs> well, since you've fired us, you've given us plenty of time to pick it. And um, what did the signs say? Nothing your entire crab staff doesn't already know. That your so-called fresh crabs aren't fresh at all. <gasps> They're frozen. Oh, no, shit. That's a lie. Really? They're supposed to be flown in daily from Alaska. They come in on a truck from Jersey. 
Listen, you can't prove oh, any of it. I don't really. The in the case of Carl's famous <laughs> crab bisque, you use imitation crab. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Negotiate. Ooh, now he wants to negotiate. A dollar more per hour per crab. Fine. Two 15-minute breaks. One. Hey, Mars, did I say two 20-minute breaks? Yep. Hmm. You said 15. All right, two. Get rid of the signs and you got a deal. Damn crabs. Yeah! <laughs> How'd it go? We won! <laughs> so what's gonna be your first act as an organized crab? Actually, I quit. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. I put in my two weeks notice because by then I'll have enough money to pay my car insurance. And as it turns out, I'm not so big on the working thing. Who is, honestly? How about you get some rest? You know what's so mm -hmm. crazy? Okay, we don't need any more. You get some rest nonsense. Um, so funny if it's like she was like a salt. You know, really like, though. Like she, Wait, I did my job here. Um, salting is like when you like go into a workplace like knowing that you're gonna try to organize it, but you're you're getting hired as a rank and file worker. And so honestly, that's kind of what she did without meaning to do it because she immediately got hired and then like saw how shitty the working conditions were started agitating and organizing and then was like wait i don't actually want this job and quit like shortly after winning both raises and breaks for her co colleagues yeah so that was pretty pretty awesome what's your reaction to that that delegation on the boss i thought it was great i love the signs i'm curious how she got all that information <laughs> within like whatever period this was she's like i know all your dirty secrets motherfucker let's go you know yeah like did like, you have a lawyer hey. get put in an information request for you or but they really did their due diligence in the research they had every everything anticipated but apparently i've learned over the past month through tiktok that um ihop does not use real eggs oh and you have to ask for real eggs because otherwise you will be given imitation eggs by so, imitation uh, eggs do you mean the stuff that's like coming from a carton yes i think coming from a carton and i think also so, there was something about that there's um pancake batter in their omelets or something like that to make them more fluffy so you're not getting the real stuff when you go to ihop just I just mean, be aware who so. thought that they were but you know maybe maybe a cook told her what was going on you know maybe she got the information through someone else on staff so true true true, true. yeah i'm also just scandalized like is it like is there a restaurant even on the shore in north carolina like so there is they water say they get crap. there's a body of water what? we see it's weird that they would have a place known for Alaskan crab near the water in North Carolina, but it's really New Jersey truck crab. Yep, I think I think you got it right. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to follow. And this is the, uh, big, the logic of Carl. This is a big piece of information that would take down his entire crab empire, apparently. So yes, Carl. He it's his namesake. I mean, his name is Carl. The place is Carl's. Although it's kind of odd from his perspective that he wants people to be saying that they got crabs at his at his restaurant in that uh, way. That's yeah. I mean, it gets attention, right? Yeah, it's like hot no? hot girls getting sexually transmitted. I mean, that's clearly that his thing. But it's weird that he uses hot girls, but then covers them up in crab costumes. You know, all of it is very. Uh, I mean, you know, he he may not have the smartest business model. No, and he has like what like an army of like at least six or seven that was like a bargaining unit of less than 10 but there's got to be at least six or seven there and then he also has wait staff like it's really uh, again you know poor business decisions in addition to you know ex exploitation of labor yeah but on the bright side his uh his workers have understanding of their power and have used it collectively now now they yes. just need to now they just need to go and talk to you know the, the wait staff and the staff in the kitchen and build that wall-to-wall -wall crab union i know they want <laughs> yes i mean and you know that they probably already started those conversations you know evidenced by the fact that they knew what what's in they knew about the ingredients so they seem to be you know talking to the kitchen which is yep. good a good start Building that uh, worker solidarity. Yep. Yes. You say play. 
I wanted to just like uh, wrap up the Brooke part of the story just to continue my theory, I, I guess, or my just deeply held thesis that this is the foundation of her, you know, being a good person for the rest of the show. But, I mean, it makes sense. Right? I don't know that, but like this, yeah, <laughs> like it, it, it makes sense. Yeah. So like she, in this conversation, she said like it felt good to do something for the little guy. And I feel like that's the setup for her then in the next episode, like running for student council president. And she later in the season attacks evil Felix for being a homophobic dick. So we know that he gets his. And then the that most is. important thing is that so in season eight, so basically what ends up happening is that the, the clothing line that she creates while she is in high school, clothes over bros. Then eventually when you time, then they do the time jump and they're adults. She has turned that into like a, like a multi-millionaire whatever, like business empire, the whole thing, right? It's a brand. Makes no sense. But oh, this wow. is a drama. And then oh. later in season eight, she gets arrested. Brooke gets arrested for fraud that her her mom and associates committed on her behalf without her knowing it, right? Ooh. And so her mom, being like you know a savvy corporate bitch, is able to like restructure the debt so that they won't like completely go under. But then one of the investors comes a knocking. And it's like to Brooke, I just wanted you to see a picture of my daughter who I have to tell she can't go to college because I invested in your company and I lost everything, blah, blah, blah. So like apparently this restructuring plan involves all the investors losing everything, but Brooke gets to stay in business. And so she is like, fuck that. And she basically goes and talks to her lawyers and she's like, how do I like pay them back? I want to pay like all of them back. And they're like, well, you would have to like sell the company and liquidate all of the assets and including your personal fortune. She's like, okay, let's do that. So you see, even if you were to liquidate all the company's assets, you'd only be able to pay back your investors 70% of what they lost. What if I need it to be 100%? It's just not possible. Where would you secure the cash reserves? What if I liquidate everything? Are we talking about your personal fortune? Everything I have. Everything I own. Will that do it? Yes. Do it. Um, her mom is so mad at her. She's her mom's in prison, by the way, as part of this deal. Oh. And she's oh. so mad because she managed to like create a scenario where she goes to jail, but the company stays, and that's all she cares about is the company. But what Brooke says is like she's really sad she's gonna lose her company, and she's like, We are surviving at the expense of all these people who put their hard-earned savings in our hands. Okay, well, there's gotta be some other way out. I'm gone over everything. There isn't. How can I set foot in my stores, in our offices, knowing that I kept them by deceiving people? I can't. It's over. And I'm like, that's some like shit that most people who own corporations would never do. No. Oh no. Like ever, oh, ever. Yeah. I mean. It sounds like someone who started a corporation, but also happened to have a little experience agitating her workplace. Yeah, and so in the end, I think I think at the very end, cause I don't, I'm not, I haven't rewatched the last season a lot of times, but I think by the end, her and one of the other characters, it's just like they like have taken the place in town where they used to all gather and like created a new cafe or whatever. Which is a pretty oh, okay. low-key existence, and she's a parent. She wants to be a mom forever. That's a long thing for her, and she finally is able to conceive with her husband. And so Brooke gets her happily ever after, and she manages to uh, kind of, like, stand up to corporate greed and, like, refuses to be complicit in, like, exploiting other people. Love it. Yeah. What her. a great full circle. Yeah. Um, and so then I guess just to close out, I, I wanted to just give ourselves time to do a little so you want to organize your workplace like so you the listener like wow i have complaints about the amount of break time i get or like you know i have trouble paying my bills on the pay that we all get whatever your workplace issue is you can definitely do something about that with collective power and i guess i technically have never been employed as an organizer so i thought that you guys would probably be better equipped to say literally like if you, at this moment, know that you want to organize, but you don't know what to do next, what would you tell them? So even though it's very <laughs> clear and public in this version of organizing yep. on the Crab Shack, as you have stated, Maria, labor law is not on our side in this country. 
So the best thing to do is to build slowly and build secretly. So the answer is really getting to know your coworkers really well, spending time with them, and then slowly figuring out how to ask questions and know that people are the right people to talk to about organizing a union. And usually that's finding the people that other people in the shop trust and see as leaders so what you mean by shop is workplace not yeah. everyone yeah. <laughs> yeah and I would say like but like when you get to that point with your coworkers and um you know you kind of understand who kind of is who has influence and everything you all it's also important to know what what issues are really important to people at your workplace and that's you know you understand that by getting to know your co-workers and getting to know the people influential in your workplace um but like what issues really are going to agitate people to action you know finding issues that ever everyone's kind of on board with and everyone's kind of agitated around is really unifying yeah and a lot of times i feel like those issues are like work rule type things that like just right. that like kind of great at your quality of like like life every day i feel like and a lot of times those kinds of things people don't talk about but it's the kind of thing that everyone's experiencing and so once you start talking about it and then i guess the other thing that i want to make sure everyone knows is yeah like it like it has to be really quiet like what brooke did she should have done at like a bar what she couldn't have done because she's a teenager <laughs> she didn't like a bar or a coffee shop or something like with the co-workers like she probably shouldn't have had that whole organizing meeting like in the workplace that early on in a campaign right. <laughs> so you know if you're really thinking about it like remember that protected activity is is only a thing if you're acting with another at least one other co-worker so like, you know, you gotta grab a friend, but in a more organizing way, you know, like, <laughs> make sure that um, before you take any sort of action that you have at least one person on board with you. And right. And also, if, like, you and a few coworkers are, like, definitely interested, but you don't know what the fuck to do, like, go do research in your area, see what union might, you know, be able to work with you and you know usually at least an organizer will talk to you like there was a time when i was at a job and we were considering trying to unionize and it didn't work out but when we met with the organizer i mean they just like you know it didn't pan out but this organizer just like took the time to meet with us and like answer our questions and like hear about our specific problems and um even though their union wasn't going to be able to do anything for us like the organizers are usually happy to share their resources with people who need them so I would definitely say right. that, you know, reaching out to union organizers is a good, good plan if, if you don't know what yep. to do, because then you can talk to somebody who knows what to do before you do something that makes it impossible to actually build power. Like if the boss catches wind of what you're doing too soon and scares enough people, you might, you know, find yourself in a situation where you can't really organize the way you wanted to, you know, so... That's something I would say, because I feel like people learn sometimes ab about workers' rights and they really want to do it, but you got to do it strategically. And like Nikki said, usually that means slowly and secretly. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it, it, is, it does take patience, for sure. Another thing I think also is important to mention is when you're, uh, when you're organizing your workplace, you know, will come later on once people are more agitated and, and you're further along and everything. But definitely inoculation, which means um, kind of warning your coworkers in, in a way that is, you know, uh, kind of relatable, but warning your coworkers of what the boss, what management will do um, is really important because all those tactics we saw in this episode, like our classic, like union busting tactics and just being able to like kind of talk about those and like putting it out there before they happen is always good because like when it happens it's like oh wait that's so transparent yeah like we saw this coming like wow they really used a talking point that the union organizer gave me as an example wild right it's like yes they right. actually will they are all working from the same playbook they will do it they will right. threaten your job even if like they're like totally bluffing too like i feel like that's the thing like Bosses lie. Yes. Like, Absolutely. Like, for all we know, yeah. he had no intention of firing the crabs, you know? I mean, like, like honestly, like, could you snap your fingers and get six more crabs today? I don't think so, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't believe it. And then they would be in crisis. Yeah, what would you do without the crabs? <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely going to put a lot of resources in the show notes. 
so that people can, you know, educate themselves further. But um, this remains one of my favorite teen drama plot lines of all time. I mean, they literally down, like, the signs were amazing. They got to have their little, like, moment where they all, like, jumped up and down and, and cheered in victory together. And it totally just, like, reminds me of, like, you know, if you've ever been present when a bunch of workers find out they won their union, like, it was, like, the same kind of energy. It's, like, you, you just, oh, yeah. you just, like, used your collective power and you won something tangible. And, like, you know, that's, I think that's what, why I'm still in the labor movement to begin with. It's, like, witnessing, witnessing that is a beautiful thing. And it doesn't come around that often. It's, like, those moments are, like, the little moments that we, like, get to favor when we eventually get to them in the middle of a lot of hard work that goes into creating those victories. But um, I, I do feel like this episode just did a really good job of capturing a bunch of, like, little aspects of what labor oh, yeah, organizing is. Yeah, like, every does. step of the way of, like, <laughs> what labor organizing is, what to expect, and then uh, the implementation. It's all there, step by step. Yeah. And, like, did some, like, secret Marxist in the One Tree Hill writer's room write this episode? Like, <laughs> Honestly, who are the writers? Like, we should look this up. I'm, I'm curious, actually, now. Let's see. One Tree Hill between 212. Between Order and Ramanus. Okay. You better tell me these writing. If I find out that it was the showrunner, I'm going to be so sad. <laughs> oh, no, right? After the whole disclaimer. It was written by Terrence Coley. <laughs> then directed by a woman, Bethany Rooney. Okay. So that's cool, I guess. Um, let's see. He right now the guy who wrote that episode is writing for ABC's A Million Little Things. Okay. I don't know anything about that show. I think <laughs> I, from what I've seen, it's like older millennials living in modern times, and the it's like a modern soap opera, but not in the daytime. Yeah, he looks like it's like what is that show? What am I thinking of? Um This is us. Uh so that's what I this, it's of. like this is yeah. us. <laughs> right, but like not a family, like a group of friends. Okay, yeah. All right. Well, I guess he's really just um he look kind of looks like an elder millennial from his picture. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. An elder millennial. Well, I saw that there was an article on Twitter this week that called um older millennials geriatric millennial so i think elder millennial is kinder personally but oh my god geriatric yeah like oh but he's known for one tree okay he was on one tree hill for a while i was just curious what else he had done but oh and he i guess he worked on that 90210 reboot that they did that was like really bad oh yeah interesting okay well good job writing this worker uh power episode terrence (laughs) yeah terrence (laughs) Yeah, so I guess that's all I want to talk about. Unless you guys, you guys have any final thoughts? Oh, it's, it's a classic. This is great. Thank you for joining us. I'm sure Emma and Nick, you're going to be back soon to talk about some more teen drama political moments. Love it. Thanks for listening to Leftist Teen Drama. Follow us on social media for updates. Links to our Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and TikTok are in the show notes, along with links to suggested additional reading on the topics discussed. Solidarity Forever, Free Palestine, and Abolish the PIC. Signing off, Maria.